<laughs> What's up, everybody? This is PSTV's Gratitude Unfiltered, and I am your host, Joshua T. Bargwin. What's up, everybody? How you guys doing? Want to give a shout out to the podcast audience, the online radio audience, social media, of course, Facebook. Thank you guys so much for all of your support and joining the show. Uh, you guys make this fun. If you're listening right now on the radio, you're watching on the Um, you're listening on the podcast, you can join the conversation over at facebook.com slash gratitude unfiltered. We're about to have all this stuff centralized where we can just go to one place, have a conversation, hang out, ask questions, and just have a good time. It's a process, but we're making it happen. Thanks to you guys. Um, Facebook, what's up? Love you guys. Juliana, Carl, good to see you guys. Always good to see you. We have a fun show today. Um, I love it. You guys know how much I love doing this. And, and I really love having guests from just all walks of life. And because it, it makes it interesting. And what we find, I think, is like regardless of nationality, regardless of religious beliefs, regardless of just like where you grew up, at the core of everything, we're human beings that have a passion. We're human beings that go through some shit in life. We have struggles, we have failures. Some look worse than others, but it's all relative in the end because you're given what you can handle. You know, whether it's a temptation, whether it's a, uh, uh, an addiction or abuse, you're given that for a reason. And I know that sounds kind of shitty because the fact is that no one really wants, wakes up and goes, hey, I want to be abused. But one of the best things to me about life is that we get to use all of those bad things ultimately to set other people's free and that being this offering this amazing joy that nothing in the world can buy money can't buy it like nothing can buy it except helping other people and at the core that's what we are all here to do all of us so I love you guys and and I and I love all of the different guests that we've been able to have on this one is special for me um, because in a very short time it's so crazy we went to high school together and I didn't even know it like but I knowing me and I, I was kind of a, a nightmare in high school and most of my life so um, but it is special for me because for some reason like just immediately knew like we were like there was some kind of spirit connection. Like it just like, I, I see her, I see her greatness. I see what's amazing about her. And yet she's, you know, a, a professional and an expert at a subject. I don't talk about that much because it's one of the biggest triggers for me. Sex is a, a thing for me. That's always been very complicated. Sex has been the very number one thing that has caused me most of the pain in my life. Now, stuff that happened when I was a kid and then the stuff that I started doing to myself and then the double life that I lived for most of my life. Now, so sex has been complicated so much for the, so good, uh, good to see you, Jeanette. Great to see you guys. Um, so much so that sex for me, like to, the, the thought of making love seems like a horrible joke to me. It sounds twisted to me. And that's not saying like, good God bless you guys for being able to make love. I don't know what it is. And a lot of that journey and also part of the reason why, like I don't know how to like have sex without making it something different and or, or outside of the norm. 
and and adjusting to this life where I'm trying to take on a I'm really understanding what soul uh, spirit connection soul ties things like that I'm really understanding how it's affected me growing up and like it's something that I really want to work on and cleanse in myself so that I can offer something more in a relationship other than being um, a participator a, 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 participating in like just a, a, a sexual focused relationship like I truly want more um, yet at the same time, sex is such an important part of relationships and yet it doesn't need to be complicated. It needs to be honest. It needs to be true. And, and it needs to be where you're giving your partner the respect that they deserve. And, and, and that, that in itself is complicated for me and I'm learning. And part of now being single again and, and going through this divorce process already, which I, anyway, Part of that is me recognizing that I get to love myself. I get to love myself and love myself enough that I can be alone and hang out. So, and, and, and be with myself without having to like seek out side sources. Like I already, I had sex thrown on my face today. I, I gotta, I've gotta talk about this. Like literally was getting hit up on Instagram. Like someone's going in the DM and like sending me stuff. She didn't watch the show, so I'm going to talk about it. But she's sending me like naked videos of herself. I'm a dude. I'm a dude that still has the hormones of a freaking 13 year old, and I'm and and she's like just she's attractive, but she's like wanting to have sex. And I'm like, oh my god, like I can do this, and it doesn't matter. But I didn't, and I said no, and I'm like kicking myself in the nuts, but also proud of myself. I don't know what to do with that, but I'm proud of myself because I'm teaching myself as the cycles of Josh happen with my passenger <laughs> in tow, I'm learning to do things differently than I've done them before. So back to why I typically don't have people that are sex experts on the show is because it's been a trigger for me. But guess what I'm doing now? Pardon my French, but fuck my triggers. Sorry, didn't mean to offend anybody, but seriously. Like, I'm tired of giving my triggers power over me. Like, instead of running from my dark passenger, I'm having conversations with him today. I had conversations with him when I was in isolation. And what I've learned about a dark passenger is it can be used for something good. That's a whole separate show. Anyway, I'm taking too much of my guest time because we started to have a conversation before the show started that I think we need to save for the air. So let's get after it. I'm really excited to have our guest. She's, she's an amazing human being. Um, and again, we went to high school together, ladies and gentlemen, and that, that has nothing to do with it, by the way, she's got an amazing story and I've learned so much from her in the short time that we've talked, but I think you guys are going to want to watch this. I de definitely, you're going to want to share it. And because we're about to educate some people and talk about some stuff, that really should be talked about. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the one, the only, the absolutely gorgeous, amazing human being, Valerie. Wait, what the hell is this last name on your, what is this? Is it not Baber? I thought your last name was Baber. Oh, did I lose her? Oh no, she just left. 
Maybe she'll come back. I don't know what just happened. Um, anyway, so we just lost her. I just went there and she's not there. Will she come back? Oh no, this is not good for TV. Anyway, whatever. So Valerie's going to come on and we're going to have a really good conversation. I think, oh my gosh, I hope I didn't lose her. Um, cause I just set that up for like this epic show talking about some very uncomfortable things and oh no, maybe she'll come back. Did her computer crash? Oh no! Um, <laughs> this is not good. Hold on. Uh, did I? Maybe I scared her. Do you think that's possible? Well, crap! All this talk. She was there. I, oh, you guys saw her. Why don't I see her? I don't know. Maybe she'll come back. Wait. Okay, she's trying again. All right, then I'm going to keep talking. So we started to have this conversation because I've been talking. We look if you if you're out there and you have a dark passenger, you know when other people have one. You can see it. But there's a good chance that somebody that has a dark passenger is also somebody that has a really bright light. Does that make sense to you? Um, so I don't know. I know a few of you out there have shared that you also have a passenger. And it's a, um, you know, it's different. And for the longest time, I've been in this wrestling match with it. Like I've, 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 I've had it where, you know, I try to defy what, like I, I try to run from it, right? And when I, the, when I run from it, what you resist persists. Have you ever heard that expression? So when I'm trying to run from my dark passenger, what happens is I end up getting sucked back in even harder. But when I, when I run to the dark passenger uh, or I allow it to take over, then I do things that I horribly regret because I can be in this, this phase for months. It doesn't just like last a day. It's not like getting a fix. When I allow a dark, my dark passenger to take over, it's something that lasts, it can last months and it's terrifying. And here's what I've noticed. I'm 39 years old now and my last massive relapse, like bad, what I allowed it to just swallow me and, and it got worse. There was times that it back when, before, when I stopped and I got sober and I quit partying, there were times when like I would go to bed going, Oh my God, I, I'm, I know I'm dying. I hope my mom does not see me like this. I hope no one find like I, I just like make I like thinking in my head because I know that I've gone too far and that and and that I'm not coming back. And this last time it was so much that scared me. And I shared last night on the show about how I could like when I was going through this, God was in the corner of my eye, and it's no coincidence that I, you know, gave my life to Christ, and then all of a sudden I'm seeing God with me as this happens, and it's in the corner of my eye, saying, "I got you. I'm not going to let you go." I'm not going to let you go. I got you. I'm going to let you go through this. I'm going to let you go through all of it. But I got you. And sure enough, like he sent people and they, and they helped pull me out of it. I've heard a lot of my friends talk about dancing with their shadow. You know, and, and I didn't really know what it means. And, you know, I hear Tucker Beard and talk about, you know, you have to, like without without the extreme darkness, there can't be light. And like it, it may, yeah, like it makes sense. It's a cute analogy and all that stuff, right? But like, 
what I finally understood was I'm not supposed to run from my passenger. I'm supposed to dance with it. And I can actually train my passenger to do good because the passenger is the source of a lot of my power. And, and I'm not saying like I'm just freaking, you know, I'm not saying powerful in the sense that I'm being a cocky douchebag. I'm saying I'm in my power. Like I know I'm unstoppable. I know that I am all things that he says I am. And I know that's limitless and you all have that available to you. But like, I'm starting to feel it where I know it. I expect to be successful. I expect to help other people. I expect to make all of those visions come true where helping people all over the world. I expect to basically form my own little, I, I'm gonna say it, I wanna be Oprah, except I don't wanna be black and I don't wanna be a woman, but I wanna be Oprah. Like I, I wanna like, do Oprah. Oprah laid, laid the blueprint. I want to do that. I want to do it. She's my hero. I want that. And so, and I, I, I know it. Like I'm in this place of knowing I'm going to make it happen. Call me crazy, but I know it. But that's the, that's the, been the difference of, and it's not arrogant. It's a belief. It's a knowing because God does say all things are possible. And so I believe it. So anyway, I'm learning to source this. So this is the conversation and then some that we're going to have with our guest, Valerie, who is back. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not, I'm going to let her say her last name because that's, what is that last name? What you're seeing on the screen is Valerie Once a Martini, which I don't know why it's pulling that name. Um, that's the name that I use on my private Facebook page. <laughs> um, but my but my real name is, is Valerie Baber. Okay. <laughs> All right, thank you. I, I got once a martini. I couldn't even read. I was, oh my gosh. Thank you for for being patient with technology and coming back on. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to have you on. There's so much that I could say about you in the intro, and I didn't want to really ruin any of it. So I just figured that we would start to have this conversation. But first and foremost. I would love to know what you are grateful for today, Valerie. I am grateful to be connected to you um, through the most unlikely of sources. <laughs> I know, right? Um, I think it's. I think that's really cool. I'm grateful that you have invited me onto your show um, to be a part of this fantastic empire, this Oprah empire that you're building, and okay. to be able to to speak to your um, your friends and fans and followers um, about a message that I agree with you is, is very important. I'm grateful that you've decided to battle your triggers or confront your triggers and, and battle your dark passenger with me and that you trust me to do that. I do. And we started this conversation because you said that you had watched an interview that I did. Um, who was it again? Anna Sinclair, the naughty yeah. girl. Yeah, the naughty girl LA, right. Uh -huh. And, and I talked about being in isolation and I, I kept talking about it that way because I knew what that meant for me was I'm going to be in isolation and that that's when my dark wings start flapping going, all right, we can get away with anything we want for the next week. Let's <laughs> do it. Uh-oh. And, and I was terrified by it. So I knew that the best thing for me to do strategy wise was put a light on it and talk about it. So right. you brought that up. And we segued into the dark passenger conversation. Uh huh. 
Uh-huh. So what does your dark passenger tell you to do when he starts he starts whispering in your ear? Now I know what he told you to do during Sienna's um uh Sienna's show or your show with Sienna. And I and I believe that you were saying that he was telling you that there's no point in living or something a little suicidal and um but oh, that wasn't with her. That was a different that was oh. a different time. That was after I got married. Oh, well, sorry, I'm, I'm getting the shows confused, but he said okay. some nasty things to you. But but yeah, what was this time over your, your holiday where you were alone for five days? So that's a good question. So it's, you know, originally it protected me. Like I swear to you, it was there to protect me. And then all of a sudden it got to where it wanted to kill me. Um, and the more I resisted it, the more it would come at me in like different ways. So that time it was planting suicidal like images and like playing out like a movie in my head of different ways to kill myself. Not that I wanted to, but that's what how he was talking to me. And what he does is he puts that, the visual in my head, he'll paint the picture in the way that he's always gotten to me because sex and drugs were my outlet in a major way. Um, major way. Yeah. You know? I can relate. It, 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 it became the escape from the pain. It normalized the nightmares in my head. It made the nightmares fantasies. It became comfort. And also an escape from this reality that it could have been reality. The fact is, I don't even know what was real then. Because I allowed for a long stretch of time where I just, I, I didn't exist. It was my dark passenger. And we were wrecking havoc through marriages, relationships, cheating. And, and so that has always been the easiest trigger for him to get me with. Mm -hmm. is the fun that I had doing drugs and having sex. Right. That's the truth. That is the honest to God truth that I became addicted to drugs and sex together, not separately, no, together. And, and I associated, in other words, I didn't just think about sex. Like this is why I was saying at the beginning of the show, the idea of making love, what's that? I've had sex sober twice in, in, in my like, I can't remember. I think it's my whole life, wow. except for the times that it was molested. But like, I, I really think that I've always been intoxicated or on drugs when I've had sex, right. and if, uh, and that is that's a problem. So it talks to me. So it's it's the trigger comes together. It's not just hey, let's do cocaine. It's always well, if you do cocaine, you get to do all this, and it and it painted this ugly, nasty. Like, um, it, 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 it's all fun and games and it feels good. I can feel it in my body, how amazing it is. And then now what I've noticed is that I'm able to keep it around a little bit longer to realize that, no, I don't want that because I've been retraining my triggers good. and starting to understand that I have an amazing opportunity to create something beautiful and there's no way in hell I can do that if I shift my energy back to sex and drugs and all of that stuff. So that's why now it's so important to me to really focus on being in love with myself so that I want to do good for myself only and things that uplift me. Make yeah. sense? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And I'm wondering if it's, um, I'm wondering if it's the, the sex and drugs that you were addicted to or if it was the feeling um, was it the feeling of escape from your traumatic past? You know, you didn't have to think about it when you were high or inside of someone, or was it the feeling of, 
of being connected, even if it were a superficial connection, you felt um, a, a false sense of love and connection at the time that you didn't know how to achieve any other way in a healthy spiritual way. Um, and so I don't feel that like drugs and sex are bad. I think that how we use them can be can be abused. And yeah, what that was definitely that. Yeah, what you're chasing after is is not is not a bad thing to chase after when when you find yourself addicted to something. It's just how you chase after it that is bad. So I'm I'm, I'm glad that you're or, or toxic rather. So I'm I'm glad that you're finding ways to achieve those good feelings, but doing it in a way that is is um, that serves you better and that serves right. your partner better too. For sure, and and I also it, it's you're right. It, I don't think it necessarily was an addiction. It was the escape, and it also because there was so much confusion that was going on with. Like the thing about borderline personality disorder is there's a lot of um, disassociation where you don't know what's real. It's very hard. It's very hard to have friends. Like people ask me, like I get off, even when I I can get on stage and talk all day long, but the minute I get off of it, I want to go hide in a closet because I'm not comfortable. Like it, it, it's relationships are really hard, and it's really hard sometimes to take what people say and really understand it to be true. Or the trust issues is ma are massive, or the way that we see or perceive things. Like sometimes the vision could be crystal clear, but could be completely wrong, or the wrong mm. timing, or whatever. And so, like it's hard. So I have to really be very, very careful about who I let into my life, because I have to really be able to trust you. And it's it's rare, and like it's rare that I just immediately get connected with somebody like you where I feel safe. I think it's because there's a similar um, uh, there's an understanding somewhere spiritually that we get each other and understand each other. That makes me feel safe. Sure. And it allows me to kind of share and open up more. Well, we, we both had a, a long and, and rocky road and it originated in, in the same place. Um, and I do, we both have an open mindedness and I don't know if that's just who we are, how we were born or if that open mindedness comes from and that desire to help people and, and, and be better to ourselves comes from all the shit we had to go through. So, right. Isn't, isn't it amazing though that, cause you go, well, who chooses that profession? Like it <laughs> takes, if you, if you are real, if you're going through a situation where you're confused or you don't know what's going on with yourself, whether it's like what you're supposed to be for a living, what your sexuality, like your, like your love life, the, 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 the relationships that you choose, the, 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 the friendships that you choose. Like if you just are in that place where you're, you know, really, really confused or there's, I lost her again. And you, golly, that sucks. That's twice. We have to do this again. Anyway, the point was that we, we, we get to this place where we're really confused. I think that this is why people experience so much pain and suffering. In that pain and suffering, it allows us, the minute we choose, we get that courage and we get to that point where there's no one to rely on but God because you've got nothing else. Like the, the, the perfect rock bottom. There's no one else to rely on but God. So then all of a sudden you get a, 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 a visual of what your life can be. You get a visual that, oh my gosh, I can use all of my pain. I can use all of the bad stuff that happened to me. I can do all of it. I can use this for good. I can use this to teach other people how to get out of it. 
Some people are not so lucky and they have to figure it out themselves or they don't know to ask questions. They don't know to speak out and get help. That's a beauty of this world that we live in right now is that more people are starting to rise up and more people are starting to talk. And when we all start talking and we all start communicating about our, we speak our truth, right? We speak our truth. It allows us to find our tribe. It allows us to find our people. It allows us to find the people that we're supposed to help. Our gifts are not for us, they're for other people. And part of our gift is the crap that we experience and go through. What's up, Valerie? Hey, I hope I'm not triggering any abandonment issues by <laughs> appearing and, and disappearing. Actually, that is a, that's actually a pretty funny joke. <laughs> I, I know. I know a thing or two about uh, borderline. So. <laughs> um, it's, let me ask you something. Mm -hmm. Do you know it from dating men with borderline or do you know it from personal experience? Um, well, I, um, hmm, I would say that dating men with borderline is a personal experience. Um, I don't know. I have theories about the, about the, um, conditions of, of the people that I've dated. I have theories about my own condition. Um, I don't have any diagnosis, but I have been in therapy for, uh, many years off and on, um, with a number of different, um, mental health professionals with a bunch of different, different letters after their name. And we've discussed, um, we've discussed uh, some of my issues, but we haven't quite pinpointed them, but I do, um, quite a bit of reading about mental health because I don't want to rely on just a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a counselor. Um, you know, I, I want to educate myself about, about what I could be going through and also about those around me. I think that when we have a better understanding of everyone's condition, then we're better prepared to work our way through the world and, and manage relationships. I agree. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about who Valerie is? Because okay. right now people are looking at the screen going, Valerie, want a martini? That sounds like a James <laughs> Bond riddle. <laughs> I didn't realize I was going to grab that from my from my silly uh, personal Facebook. Um, it's it's Valerie Baber. So um, hi, Valerie Baber. <laughs> I'm a, a sexuality writer and um, dating and intimacy coach. I'm actually certified for that. Um, I have a I have a couple of degrees in writing, um, and that and I used like to use those degrees in writing to write about sex and relationships and intimacy and that evergreen topic that that touches everyone, no matter where you're coming from or who you are. Um, but I also very much enjoy um, helping individuals and couples um, find a, a safe space to talk about things that they may not necessarily feel comfortable talking about with other people. Um, even therapists, because there are a lot of therapists, they may be going to marriage and family ther therapy, but some therapists don't feel comfortable talking about sexuality. So um, I give them I give them that place to, to um, sort things out when nobody else feels safe to do that. I love that. Yeah. I, there's, I, I would love to know, because God, there's so many directions to go with you that are, are fun. Okay. <laughs> what would you say, I, I, I've always been curious about this. What would you say that a female's strengths, like their their natural strengths and weaknesses, are in like it, when it comes to sexuality. What are their strengths and weaknesses? And answer the same question for men. What are female strengths and weaknesses in sexuality? Sexual, like think about like our our primal brain. Uh -huh. So our primal strengths and weaknesses until we like develop and we grow. 
what would you say that our natural strengths and weaknesses are when it comes to our sexuality? I think that women can, women have the ability to um, manage situations and people with their sexuality. It's, it's a very powerful tool in say negotiation and peacekeeping. Um, it's, it's honestly, um, I think that women are, are very influential um, or, or they can be. I think that um, women can soften men um, with their sexuality. I think that they can drive men. They can be like um, like a, a cheerleader, sort of, just a, a social cheerleader when they're when they're giving little bits and pieces of their sexuality to men. It's like a morale booster, and it keeps people excited and driven and, and wanting to achieve more. Who was it that said, you know, if if there were no such something along the lines of, gosh, I wish I had this quote right now. It'd be so great. But something along the lines of, if, if there were no such thing as as women, then men would wouldn't bother making money. You know, they wouldn't go. They wouldn't go to work. Um, so I think that the the feminine uh, feminine sexuality. I'm gonna have to look it up after, and I'll email it to you. <laughs> um, um, but anyway, the the feminine seductress is a driving force behind everything. I think is the point of that. Um, so there there is a, a great power in, in female sexuality. Um, and then with men, I I think that their um, sexuality can can um, provide safety and security for women. Um, a, a lot of women, maybe not everyone is looking for that, but but this is a repetitive theme. Women are looking to feel you know, comfort and security and a man can use his sexuality to provide that, uh, to make her feel stable and steady and feminine and um, cuddled. Um, and I think that there, what else can a, can a male sexuality do? Um, lots of things. Um, but, but it, what about weaknesses? What about the weaknesses in females and males? Weakness, um, weaknesses. The things we get to work on. Things that we need to work on? Yeah, I mean, what would be the weaknesses, the things that we get to improve? Okay, so, well, with men, I think the weakness is um, not understanding how to use this power that you have and and not um, not honoring it. Um, so it's it's a beautiful thing to to be a sexual person and, and to use that in a, in a productive and exciting and um, pleasing way. But it's it's thrown around so recklessly. Um, I would say generally by men. It can definitely happen with women, too. Um, and I'm going to say with women, a weakness is and, and this is fresh on my mind because I was just talking to to two men about this, um, one yesterday and one today, um, women can abuse their power. Um, and and uh, I think a lot, of, a lot of women probably feel entitled, like you're gonna do this for me, you're gonna do that for me, you're going to jump through these hoops or you don't get this golden vagina, you know, which is also abusive. A lot of power, but yeah. It's, it's an abusive um, approach to sexuality, so. I, I, I was on someone's show about a month ago and I said, they asked what was the most powerful force in the universe? And I said, a woman's vagina. Yeah. And it, it, it went over about like a ton of rocks. But what I mean is that you, you say, I, I could have used better words, but the fact is it creates birth. It provides children. If you can take it away when you're, the man's misbehaving. I mean, there's like, there's a lot of power there. And when you men are 
you you said it before like that that we want we want to impress women we want to have those relationships right yeah. But yes. there's a lot of power there. What is going to dinner, dating, all of that ultimately is to be able to come one with that partner. Right. Because, right, at one time we were one and then we split off. If that's the creation story is true, then like that's what we want to do is come back one. So it, to me, it's the most powerful force in the universe. Is that wrong? Um, no, I would say you're, you're, you're absolutely right with that. It is the most powerful force in the universe. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be here if it weren't for that force. Unfortunately, it's just, it's, it's misused. Um, yeah. people are afraid of it. They don't understand it. They get greedy instead of using it for healing and connection. They just kind of, they use it for, I don't know. There's so many, so many reasons that they could use it for that aren't. Yeah. That aren't that aren't strengthening. Let me. So, well, I want to ask you about power in women. Sure. I also believe outside, and not it's not just because of the vagina. I was trying to like be shocking a little bit, but in the end, like I really believe that women don't recognize their power because they've society. I don't know how this happened, but this the women staying home, raising kids. You know that that kind of that mentality, and obviously we're growing out of it. And now there's the Me Too movement, but I don't think that a lot of women truly realize just how powerful they really are. Like they are a powerful, powerful force. Right. Like what are your what are your takes on that? Do you feel that women are more powerful than men? And I'm not talking about stronger, but just as source of energy. Are they are they more powerful creatures? men have a lot of, of energy, um, very strong energy too. Um, maybe they just don't, they just don't, it's used differently. I, I do think that there is a lot of strength in men, but yes, I would say that, um, I don't know. I feel like maybe women are more, or are more powerful. <laughs> um, men tend to value, men and women have different values. So men allow women to be more powerful, even though we're both probably equally created powerful. We just have different, different priorities. Ah, that's probably <laughs> the best answer. Equally created, equally. That's why you want to be equally yoked. Oh. <laughs> All right. I need to start taking notes. All right. So one of the things that I struggle with the most. Yes. Is I'm making this about me because you're the coach. You're the expert. Yeah, yeah bring it. <laughs> uh, intimacy because we were talking about not being able like uh, making love is something that is extremely foreign to me like i want to so bad i wanted to my my old man brain wanted like i was like oh the primal part of me was like yeah i can go have sex and like it what does it matter i don't care and then i thought oh no i don't want to do that like i went through that phase right like that, that primal brain. But one of the other aspects of this that I want to be able to, to work on is being more intimate. Like I want to understand intimacy better. So what would you suggest to men like me that struggle with intimacy? Well, I'm wondering when you say you want to, you haven't made love to some, with someone or, or you want to make love to someone, what exactly does that mean? Does that mean that you want to have slow sex with them? Does that mean you want to have a spiritual 
sort of orgasm? Does that mean you want to see God when, when you're in bed with them? Does it, like, what exactly does that mean to you? When you put it like that, no, uh, no, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, what I, I guess what I mean is that, you know, it, it I don't want to look at it through like, um, where it's like objectifying. Okay. I want to be where it's just like, Oh, that's a hot piece of ass. I want to go mount it and like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't like, I want to be able to look somebody in the eyes and say, I love you and like kiss them and make love, whatever that looks like, but to like truly know that there's love there and being willing to be vulnerable and intimate in that setting. It's real easy to be vulnerable behind a camera and talk or on stage because there's a microphone. I don't know why a microphone helps people be vulnerable, but it does. But if you go do set one of those people right in front of me and ask me to do the same thing, I'm going to pee myself. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to be able to do it. There is. That, there is a, an intimacy block. And I, I did a, an amazing three-month uh, emotional intelligence course. And I can be intimate with them. I can also be intimate with people where I feel like they see my, my dark passenger and they are not afraid of it because they know who I am. That is another thing for me that is really, I can be intimate with people like that, but it's been people that don't have it or other that I'm, I have trouble with, right? Does this make sense? So it sounds to me like you have a fear of rejection, um, perhaps, or perhaps that's a part of, of the block. If you, can, if you can make a connection with somebody who understands the dark passenger, um, you feel like they're going to be less likely to leave you, judge you, uh, criticize you. Um, somebody who, who doesn't know is going to make a snap decision, abandon you, and you're going to feel like shit and go to drugs or something like that. So that's one theory. Oh, wow. I'm going to, I'm going to throw that out there. Um, and, and then I would say that even if it's, even if it's not about somebody who does or doesn't understand the dark passenger for you to, make a connection to make a connection with anyone you're you're risking um you're risking putting energy and time and attention and love into someone and then having all of that disappear having all of that be wasted if they change their mind or they meet someone new or they see something in you that freaks them out and and they run off. So I, I would say just off the top of my head, and I'm sure that this is a much more complex story. I, I don't have I don't have anything more than what you told me right now. But the first, the first thing that I'm thinking is it, it's a fear. Uh, it, it boils down to a fear of rejection and abandonment. You hate yeah. criticism. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I do. Um, I'm working on it. If somebody knows how to do provide feedback, I'm okay with that. But criticism, I can't stand. Okay. Um, but you're, but you're okay. You're right about that. Abandonment, yes, that's a major thing for me. And um, also, I think that you're probably repeating relationships that um, you were raised with. So your family, uh, from what I understand, it was very unhealthy. You were, you were um, mistreated. My mom's a saint. What's that? <laughs> My mom is a saint. Okay. Like she's amazing. Well, but some family. Yeah. Yeah. So, so these are supposed to be the the people that are closest to you, the people that you are supposed to be able to trust the most, to love the most. You're they're supposed to provide that safe embrace. 
but they were the ones who hurt you the most. So this is the kind of relationship that you've become accustomed to. It's painful, but you become comfortable with the pain. So you just keep repeating that process over and over again. Maybe. No, you nailed it. I was about to tell you the relationship I was in for five years, like it, it was bad. It was, it was mutually abusive. It was not good at all. It was painful. It hurt. It, it was, Oh God. Yeah. But guess what? She for a long time was the only person in the world that could make me feel loved because she was also the one that could hurt me the most. And yeah. that cycle, that was hell getting breaking off of it. Yeah. In fact, I went right out of that relationship and got married basically three days later. No, that's not true. Three weeks later. Three yeah. weeks later, got married. I mean, so I, 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 I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying, like, in that in, in that, I don't want to talk about that relationship. That's not fair. Okay, so that part. But I under what you just said is exactly right. Like, hurt me and then love me back to health, and then hurt me again, and then love me back to health. That has been my pattern. I think it's broken now. I broke that pattern, but I have to stay off of that pattern. Yes. That's why I'm saying like I'm wanting to learn how to be intimate so bad because I know that that is the next level in my evolution because we are all capable of being like, I follow Christ. I follow his example. I try to be as Christ-like as possible. And, and I think he lays the blueprint for living like the perfect, most righteous, kick-ass life. I really believe that. So, he, and he has that. So like I'm learning all these things that I get to heal inside myself. And as I'm doing it, the biggest one is love myself. Love myself enough to not want to be in a relationship that kicks the shit out of me and then ask it to love me back. Yeah. That's, that's not a way to live <laughs> at all. No, it's not. I've had plenty of my own toxic relationships too. And, and the longest one that I ever stayed in was six years. Um, yeah. And it was just explosive. And, uh, but also, you know, very exciting when we weren't crying and screaming and fighting, we were just having an, an amazing, like over the top, intense, fun AF, you know, surreal sort of time. And that was, it was just extreme highs, extreme lows. Um, and I was, I was so attached to the, those highs that I was willing to deal with the lows. Um, but, but I have been out of that for several years now and very much analyzing that relationship and what's wrong with me that I keep, I keep going to this, you know, I'm, I need to fix myself because if I don't work on myself, I'm never going to be able to have a healthy relationship. So, um, so yeah, you do need to love yourself. And if that's what you've been, if that's how you've been trained to love since childhood, it's going to take a really long time to work on. I've been in therapy for years and I'm going to be in therapy for a lot more years. <laughs> so, so, you know, I, I, I have a path ahead of me, but um, I, I've come a long way. And um, I think that the, the first step is being able to ident identify that you have done this and, and this, you know, this is what's going on and, and that you need to make a change. You know, that's, that's ground floor, you know, so, so you've acknowledged that and I mean, you're off to a good start. Um, I think that, you know, being at peace, being alone over the holidays and just trying to, you know, meditate or pray or do whatever, you know, rituals you do to um, quiet that need and that passenger that says, go out and fuck everything up. Ah! You know, that's, that's a really good practice 
because you're going to need that in in your next relationships. Yeah. Hopefully, your next relationship isn't isn't toxic and and is with you know somebody who is has a, a secure attachment style and is stable and is calm and doesn't is not you know overly emotional and isn't intensely reactive. Um, so 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 uh, you need to so put that meditation prayer or whatever into into practice when you're with them. Um, yeah. I think that um, identifying your triggers and avoiding them is is a really important um, thing to do, and and you do that in relationships too. So she wants she happens to have cocaine and and you know puts it out on the table for you. You probably need to say, listen, it's not that I don't have a problem with you doing that, but I can't really be around it because I've done this and this is where it leads. And just having a really hard drawing a really hard line, how a boundary. I, oh, I agree. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm glad that, cause that comes in truth and having those conversations and like, and I think that I, I really have started to realize that for me at least, and I don't know how, how true this is for anyone that's listening right now or watching, but for me, I think it's a very dangerous thing when, when you, when like for me, if I don't feel whole and complete as a man, I know that that one little missing piece or two missing pieces that I need to be healthy, go, walking into a relationship creates an instability that is scary and, and, or an unpredictability because I know the things that make me feel secure and I do know the things that I get to do to make me feel whole and, and what's attached to that, like the things that I get to do. Um, and that would, I, I, what was my point on this? Um, I think that we are we a lot of us make these relationship choices because it feels like it fills a need, but we're ignoring because we have that need so bad, we ignore some other key things that we should be watching out for. Yes. And also with that, we also it also creates a feeling of not knowing who we are. And when you don't know who you are, it's really hard to be truthful in a relationship. And I'm not saying be a liar. I'm saying be honest with your your sexuality is as far as hey I, I like I'm into this kind of stuff you know if you're in a serious relationship marriage like you need to be able to be honest because I want to ask you about this um, what your knowledge about this is but I really believe that men cheat not just because of the caveman primal stuff but because they're afraid to be honest with their partner about the things that they want because they're like you know what if my wife knows that I like my butt bitten or like whatever, like I'm just making something up, right? Or like I want, like no, anyway. No, the point is that, you, you, but you're, you're, the guy's afraid to tell his wife that. So he ends up cheating with someone that he doesn't want to be with, doesn't want to have a relationship with. And it, it, it's someone that he does not want to be stuck with for the rest of his life. But she does this one thing for him. That he was afraid to be with his, be honest with his wife about because odds are, the thing I've noticed about women is if you give a woman what she needs, she'll pretty much do anything in the world for you. Is that true? Uh, yes, I I would agree with that. Um, I think that honesty and intimacy go hand in hand. You can't Ooh. have intimacy without honesty. So yeah, if if you want that intimate connection, you can't. I'm not saying that you can't sleep with other people because maybe you have an intimate connection with somebody that you have an open relationship with, but you must be transparent with each other. And in, you must be, you, you must man up or woman up or whatever the case is and embrace, 
bring to the table some difficult conversations. Yeah. Um, you you have to speak your truth. So know your truth first. <laughs> know your yeah, truth. Know and then and then speak it. And and you're right. Um, men men cheat a lot because they feel and they want something and they feel uncomfortable asking their partners for it. I get this as a coach and in my in my past life as a, as an entertainer um, in in the field. Um, I I heard the story over and over again. Like, okay, so what what's going on? Why do you have a side piece? Why are you seeing this escort? What what's what are you going to the strip clubs for? And they'll say, well, if I if I asked my wife for it. She would wonder, she'd flip out. She'd wonder where I heard about this. Where did I learn about this? And it would start all this drama and the marriage would be over and it's just not worth it. I'd rather get it with a girl who's not going to give me a hard time. So, um, and, and that's that's crazy to me that personally, it, it happens all the time. So it's not, it's not crazy, it's not unusual. But to me, the, the concept of marrying someone that you don't have these discussions with first is yeah. just like, what? How can you, how can you enter this kind of partnership, this lifelong relationship with somebody? You're, you're, well, there's nothing else. Not really lifelong. Well, I mean, yeah. Me, uh, strike three, I'm out. Anyway. <laughs> well, but they're supposed to be the most intimate partner you have, the closest person to you in your life. And you can't talk to them about what you like and don't like. Why are you marrying this person? Yeah. Is no, it you're right. Yeah. Oh, I, but even in regular relationships, I think it's important because it's a lot easier to tell the truth up front. I mean, look, I've got like 15 closets full. Well, they're empty now, but I mean, I have like 15 closets full of secrets and now I just talk about them and I'm just used to doing it now because I don't want to be able to hide. And I also don't want to like ever be, it's just easier for me to get it out of the way because here's the thing. I, I when when I was dating, um, bef like before I you know got married and before I got in the other relationship, like I was like, how do I give this? Do I do this like a data dump? Because I can tell you some things about me that are not real flattering, but then you think I'm done, and then I've got like five more waves to give you. Like, hey, maybe there's you know this. <laughs> but wait, there's more. And then thirty seconds later, but wait, there's what? more. And then I I finally just like you know what. I mean, of course, now I talk about everything on the show, so it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's it's a real, it's a thing, but I really do feel like there's so much power in honesty, and I've been saying recently that there's, you know, the, the, the truth is, your superpower is in the truth. Sure. And part of that is being honest, because the truth really does keep you free. It's not a, like, I know that the truth will set you free, and it's, an, it's a kind of a cliche statement, but the truth is, it's, it's more about your spirit. <laughs> it really is about your spirit. Like your truth frees you and makes you feel lighter. And when you do realize, it also sets you free to receive love. Yes. Like you're available for love. And I and what I noticed though, in, in the short marriage that I was in, what I did notice was that I was more intimate with her as far as being willing to be honest and be true about where I was at. That's probably why the relationship never really took off because I was being honest with everything to the point that it was like, no wonder everyone's scared to death and telling her that she's crazy for marrying me and everything else. But I just wanted to be honest about it. But again, safety becomes a massive issue for me because as I told you, you mentioned before, the dark passenger's there. It's not right. going away. But 
it's okay. Like if the person that doesn't fear it or understands it or knows how to kind of keep it at a bay where it's not taking over, the person that knows that is typically who I'm going to feel safe with mm-hmm. and who I'm going to trust. I'm going to know that's not going to mislead me, that they're going to do their best to keep me safe and channel the energy in the right way. That's super, that's super, super important for me. But so I, I've learned, I'm learning and I really do recommend this because I know, look, I know so many men, of course, I know girls too that have a secret life. Um, it's amazing in the dark world who you find. Anyway, um, like, no, not, not telling anyone secrets here. I'm just saying like it's, those secrets will rip you apart. They'll rip your family apart. They'll rip everything apart. They'll rip any type of like real joy that you could experience. You will never experience it with secrets. You just won't. The no. double light is going to help you. I've done, I've done it myself. I lived in secrecy for a very long time. Um, I, I worked um, at a, as a stripper you know, since I was 19 and through my late 20s. And I didn't tell anyone. And I was terrified. I, I did other things too. I had a normal, normal jobs um, on the side. But that was my main source of income. Um, yeah, and yeah. it was a really dark era for me. Um, I, didn't, I didn't want to be at the clubs. Um, that's just kind of, I felt trapped. I was between a rock and a hard place and I had no, I had no support system and that's just where I was, but I didn't want anyone to know. I was very ashamed of that. And it was, um, very, um, secluding. I, I was by myself. I felt, I had friends, but I felt very alone. Um, and I had to lie to people and, and my fear, my worst fear was somebody was that somebody would say, so what do you do? I couldn't, I was the odd girl anytime I was invited to a group um, to go out. I was that quiet girl. People probably, people thought I was a snob. They probably thought I was awkward. I was just terrified that somebody would ask me something and I might slip up and tell them the truth. And it wasn't until I was like 30, somewhere around 33 that I, I finally just went, this is too much of a burden for me. And there were other things, but it's a long story. But just this is too much of a burden for me. And, and I opened up to a couple of friends, very, very slowly started opening up to, to people that I felt could handle it. And they were like, girl, what are you doing? Your power is in this story. Set yourself free. And it is liberating. There was a, there was a moment of discomfort. Um, but I, I feel like I have so much more self-esteem and self-love now. And other people see that and they accept me too far more than I would have ever thought. Um, It's so much better just to put it out there. Just here, this is what it is, love it or leave it. You'd be surprised how many people love it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, and it it makes other people feel safe, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, when they, especially when you, you know, you, they know that you've turned your life around. I mean, my, I do think people now see me as somebody that would protect them and they don't necessarily see it you know, I mean, like here's the thing: I would go into hiding with my passenger. You know, I mean, the the there the, there was some abuse, you know, problems and stuff like that, and like like just vi- very violent fights, and from the drugs and alcohol and stuff like that. But as a whole, my passenger wanted me to hide in the shadows. It wasn't something that, you know, out in public, it didn't you wouldn't see it, right? And but like I now genuinely like because I've gone through so much healing and done so much work and continue to do the work. Like I'm fueled to take all those things that hurt me and try to help other people know that they can get help. Because the biggest thing was I didn't know it was okay to talk about it. I didn't know it was okay to set it free. 
I didn't know that being honest about it was actually going to be a benefit, not just to me, but to other people. I didn't know those things. And now being able to talk about those things, talking about, like, I can say I have HIV and not bat an eye and, and go, and I'm undetectable and thank God for medication and thank God for healthy living and thank God for healthy decisions now and turning my life around. Thank God that the stigma is breaking and I'm part of breaking the stigma. Like that is, and then also having honest discussions about what it's like, because look, I know I'm not the only guy that was molested by men that grew up being really confused about their sexuality. Right. And, 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 you know, like, I know I'm not the only one not knowing again, I'll say it bisexual or, or straight or what and using drugs to make, those nightmares or make those thoughts seem normal and comfortable and safe. Like that's why I come on the show. I talk about Jesus and I will also tell you that I'm going to talk about these other subjects because people are struggling and people are living in secret because they don't know that there's a way out. They don't know that it, it's okay. Like you were, you can be loved and you are worth love and you are worth joy. And yes, you can set that stuff free and you don't have to have a burden you anymore. Like, I want to be living proof of it. I want to be living proof that you can have borderline personality disorder and still freaking thrive. I want to prove, I want to break down every stigma. I am so thankful to God that not only did I go to jail six times, not only did I almost die multiple times because of doing so many drugs, not only did I kick HIV's ass, not only did I was I molested, not only was I physically abused, not only... Now I get to use all of it for good, and I thank God it happened. That's what gratitude unfiltered is, is finding gratitude in shit. <laughs> way out, and you get to use it. You All of you have it available to you to use your past for good. It's not exclusive to me, and it's not exclusive to Valerie. It's no. for all of you. It's our gift. To some degree, everybody has their, their shit to some degree. And yeah. to pretend that isn't there only perpetuates the problem. I think it's so I I think it's so amazing and wonderful that you have the strength to just be out in public and be on camera and have a podcast, say all of these things, just list all of these things. Um, it's that is not easy, but that is going to be so beneficial to other people. Maybe other people haven't, they're like, oh well, if this guy, this guy's really cool. And if he can he can speak out about it, then I can too. So you're gonna liberate that person. And maybe other people don't have borderline or HIV or you know, PTSD or whatever. But they're curious about it, and and they don't they've never had an opportunity to ask someone, hey, what exactly is this like? And I heard this, is that true? They they've never had that met that person, but now they know you, and now there's a safe person, a safe space to have that dialogue with that educates them, which empowers them, which which creates a, a solution to a social issue in the long run. Yeah, and it needs to happen. I mean, it does. It's not. And I know I'm not the only one doing it, but the fact is there's a lot more people that need to be heard from. Yeah. And and honestly, I would rather have freaking HIV than and herpes. <laughs> I mean, and the, and the thing is, there's medication for that too. Like people have to have these conversations because we start living in secret and we start keeping secrets. It spoils, it spoils the riches of life that we all get to have. And I, And here's the deal. So just to put it out there, do I have side effects? I take medication. I'm perfectly healthy. The only thing I have to be careful about, I have to watch my cholesterol because I'm susceptible to a heart attack because of the medication I take. And also, I deal with inflammation, but 
I take CBD and that really helps the inflammation issue. CBD is something that's natural, it's in breast milk. I use that and it counteracts the side effects that I have. Therefore, I don't have any side effects. Therefore, when I go get my vitals checked, I'm healthier than I've ever been in my life and I'm 39 and I partied my ass off. Yeah. <laughs> I was doing cocaine six days a week like wow. <laughs> or meth. Like I was getting my hands on whatever I could at any time. I went through that phase. And the fact is this, I destroyed myself, but yet I healed and I'm healthy. And so like, I wanna kick those stigmas in the butt. And I'm also learning that I can retrain borderline personality disorder to truly be a superpower. I'm retraining the cycle. I'm retraining the passenger to use that energy for good. And like, I really wanna teach people how to do this because I'm talking about it on the fly as it happens. And guess what? If I fall off and I end up in a ditch or in a black hole for the next three months, you know it didn't work. But I'm going to prove it's going to work because I am going to do the right things that get me there. Uh-huh. So, so what are some of the techniques that you use? Can you share one or two with us? What do you do to calm, to quiet that voice? Do you know what has been really powerful for me? Uh, breathing. So the minute that I, okay, so I can, I feel really in my body now, right? So I feel solid as I'm sitting here, talk to you. So what I notice is when I start to feel coming, I feel like physically coming out of my body, right? Yeah. So when I feel like that and I start to feel the passenger talk to me, now I can associate the feeling of what it's like to be in my body and then it kind of coming out at the same time the passenger starts talking to me. Mm -hmm. So it's like a transferring, right? Mm -hmm. That's what happens. So when that happens, I notice I breathe and I hold it in for five seconds and I just breathe down into my feet to grow roots, to make me more solid. And I go, what do you want? Hello, passenger. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I address it. What do you want? What's uh -huh. going on? Uh-huh. Okay. That's been huge because then he goes, oh, screw you and walks away. Uh -huh. What you resist persist so i'm not resisting it i'm claiming power and authority over my body that nothing's coming in this without my permission that's Perfect. one thing that's been huge um i've started making sure that i read um something midday now i've incorporated so I have, a, I have a morning quiet time that i'm very faithful to i've started adding something in the afternoon just to keep my mind fresh and focus on the positive things. So as I get tired, it's easy. My defenses are down. It's a way of rebuilding my uh, my my defenses. Mm -hmm. The other thing is I start to cycle, um, and I remember the decisions I made. I go back to breathing and go, "What did I do last time in this situation?" Because I, I've noticed that my my life is cycling, and I'm at a new cycle. And I, everything, I talk in circles and I live in circles. It's really strange, like my life. Like I've, in other words, I'm getting repeating the same opportunities that I had eight years ago that I self-sabotaged. I'm getting the same opportunities I had then. It's, it's crazy. Well, then the universe so, wants you to take them, it seems. But do the opposite oh, okay. <laughs> and not self-sabotage. Yes, and exactly. It all started, and it all started with standing in truth. But... That's been it. And a big part of it also to prevent it from happening was when I came on here and said, I'm going to be in isolation. If you don't hear from me for a couple of days, you know what happened. I basically called it out. And then I told what's, you know, I told Jennifer and I said, listen, that this is, this is what's going on. I, I made it aware. I, I called my mom and I told on myself 
because if I disappeared, she would know what was going on. So I set boundaries. I set boundaries and booby traps for myself because I didn't want to hide. The same thing I've said about me dating right now. Like mm -hmm. if somebody sees me on a dating website, they need to call my ass out because I, I get to love myself and I get to become whole before I ever consider bringing a woman back into my life. Yes. Yes. So good. Good. And it sounds like you're on a, on a fast track. So I'm, I'm really happy for your, your healing. And I'm really excited to see who is in your future because I think she's going to be an incredible girl for an incredible guy. Um, so I, I, I want it since we're talking about relationships, I just, I thought of something that you said a, a little bit, um, a little bit uh, earlier, uh, you dump, you dump information on people because you want to be honest, which is great. And we should be honest, but there is also a technique for, for this honesty, for communicating that. Um, is it a you, Google drive? Kind of like, <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just sorry. Just go ahead. <laughs> Do you just write a manifesto and just go to it? Read this. I actually know a guy who did that. I know a guy who did that. Like this is this is how our relationship is going to be. If you're going to be with me, I'm like, oh no. But she oh. said she married him, so I guess it worked. Um, and, but anyway. I do think that it's um, honorable and, and important to be honest, but you don't want to like on the first date, just go blah, here's all, all the stuff that used to be a fault that I'm now using, uh, you know, for empowerment and media that I'm producing. Um, <laughs> that, that can be intimidating, even to the strongest, most understanding, most knowledgeable <laughs> of people. So you definitely want to keep in mind how, how you reveal your truths to to your partner, but don't wait for 17 years and then reveal it by being caught in a in an affair. <laughs> no, never. Well, I may just tell people to watch the. They go, you know what? You should probably watch a few episodes of the show and uh, <laughs> and, and get an idea. Because I mean, I'm like this. Off, you've talked to me off camera. I'm I'm exactly the same way. I don't I don't yeah. really change. If you have, if you're watching right now or listening, and you've met me in public, I'm like this all the time. This is just me. Like I don't turn this off. I just. This is who I am. I'm either that or a complete introvert, you know, where I go hide. So, um, okay, I want to talk some about you though, because um, you, you're first of all, I'm really impressed because you are. Uh, I'm really impressed with your knowledge because you were able to pinpoint something exactly. You didn't just like get one thing. You actually had about six or seven things where you described my pattern and uh -huh. relationship pattern because and, and the source of why. Like that was, that's powerful to me. So I really admire that. What would you say though, that what is it that people that are able to see that in other people, that they're so good at other people's relationships and they see it and they're, they're able to give their friends advice and go, oh, you should watch out for this or blah, blah, blah. And they're able to give the best advice. But when it comes to their own personal relationships, why do they suck so bad? Like they struggle, they have, they have the very challenges that they're advising other people on and what to do, but they can't do it themselves. What's that all about? <laughs> well, um, I think we generally are a lot better at giving advice than, than we are at taking it, um, especially at our own advice. Um, it doesn't mean that we we aren't good advice givers and, and that we don't, aren't uh, putting things out there that uh, you know are important and and um, and real and, and should be taken into consideration. But um, 
I, I think that probably it's it's really hard to separate yourself. It's really hard for us to separate ourselves from our emotions, um, from our, we might logically know what we need to do, but when there's all this complicated, when there are complicated feelings involved, it's hard to just, to make that, that clean break. So I think that's not uncommon. <laughs> you know what I think is really interesting about therapy? I think that you, because if we're all mirrors for each other, right? Right. Isn't the therapist with their, when they're giving the advice or even the friend that's giving the advice, basically giving the advice they think they should be giving to them. Like they're giving the, the advice that they wish that they would take for themselves. Do you think that's what it is? I think in some cases, yes. Um, people are just sort of projecting. Um, I suppose that, that's what it would be called. Um, and in, and in some cases, um, no, I think in some cases, maybe the wrong sort of advice is given because perceptions of the situation or the person are a little bit skewed. Maybe that's because the friend isn't really paying attention or the therapist doesn't really know their client so well. Or maybe maybe that's because of the therapist or the client. Maybe the client isn't being totally honest with the therapist. So um, there are a number of different reasons that uh, a number of different ways that people can give advice some sometimes it's good and sometimes maybe not so good and maybe sometimes it is yeah it's, it's for them but it can benefit both people so yeah and you have to really trust who you're asking for advice from too um yeah yeah i asked for advice from gonna show you for advice is crazy well yeah yeah. Like going up to a stranger and like a, at a, at a, in a like saying it's an event or, um, you know, whatever. It could be anything. Like you're at a concert and you start talking to a random person and you start like asking for advice. I mean, that's a little dangerous, don't you think? Well, I, I think that's a question, What's that? I said, I know that's a random question, but I know someone that does that. Um, and it's strange to me. Well, uh, let me, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I guess if, if the question is, hey, I've got a gun, should I put it to my head and pull the trigger? Then yes, it could be, <clears throat> it could be, um, you know, dangerous to follow the advice of a stranger who has no, you know, no personal investment in you. And it's like, yeah, let's see if this bull will do it. Yeah, then that's, that's dangerous advice to follow. But I don't see any harm in, um, if you are strong enough and reasonable enough to know what's good advice and what's bad advice, I, I think that there's no harm in, say, asking the Uber driver, hey, man, what do you think of this situation? I just want to run this by you real quick. Because sometimes oh, random, random people like that have the best, they bring us back to um, basics. You know, they, they remind us of the most, the most essential um, things that we all know, and sometimes we just forget. Like that's that's true. Yeah, dead gummit. I remember I, Uber wisdom. Like Uber the, the, wisdom. The, the wisdom I get in the backseat of an Uber is just it blows my mind. Right. So, for instance, hey man, I want to run this by you. Um, I'm really into this girl. We went out for a first date. Um, everything was awesome. The chemistry was great. Um, and then I and then uh, at the end of the date. Um, she didn't follow up. I've texted her 15 times and she hasn't responded. So do you think she's just playing hard to get? And the Uber driver goes, no, dude, she's not into you. Like, <laughs> that's good. I guess that's, is that advice? It's just like, you know, that that's pretty reasonable. Yeah. And, and, and 
I think that that's um, something that you should listen to. Um, but you know, again, if it's like, should I jump out of this moving car right now? Maybe don't, don't, <laughs> don't ask that. So how do you think relationships are going to evolve over the next 10 years? Like, what do you, what are you seeing? Because you work behind the scenes with some pretty high profile clients. Um, you, you've probably seen like all levels of wealth when it comes to going into a relationship. You've seen a diverse set of problems um, and cool stories too. Where do you, where do you, I know that there's a shift going on, but from your professional outlook, what do you see in the next 10 years looking like? So I actually wrote my thesis on this subject. Um, I, oh, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I um, investigated the um, short-term marriage contracts, which were being explored. And, and I, gosh, I wrote this several years ago. Um, I, so it's not fresh in my mind. Um, and I wish I could give you more, more information, but I, I researched the, uh, the possibility of short-term marriage contracts. Um, that is a real thing. <laughs> it's not something that's made up. Um, people have been, I think it was like somewhere in Canada and a couple of states kind of toyed around with this and, and they decided not to pass this. But the idea behind a short-term marriage contract is that um, to clean up the court system, um, so people are, people are clogging the courts with their messy divorce cases. Courts don't want that. So to clean it up, um, when you get married, you sign a prenup that acts as, or a contract that acts as a prenup. And in the contract says, I will be married to you from, you know, three to five years or seven years or, or whatever. Um, you decide with your partner how much time you want to spend with them. And then at the end of the contract, if you, if you want to spend another five years with each other, then you just renew the contract. And if you feel like you've grown apart, um, you know, you uh, are no longer, you're fine with them, you're great friends, but you become roommates uh, as opposed to lovers and you're really missing an intimate uh, or a sexual romantic relationship with someone, you can just shake hands and, and move away. There's no divorce. Um, you already know what everybody's getting because it's in, in the contract and, and you're free to move on. And there's no stigma behind leaving the relationship because that's what everybody's doing. That's how people get married. So I think that that is a, is a possibility. Um, I think it's, it's going to take a long time for that to be, um, that to be widely accepted because there are a lot of people who, despite, uh, despite logic and, and uh, statistics, um, really, really want to be romantic. And they're just like, oh, that's not sweet enough. I want, I want to be a swan, one forever, which is, you know, adorable. Um, but, uh, but uh, yeah, so I think that that people like that are, are really going to fight this. But I think that it is um, a, a very sane and practical way to go about marriage. And I think that um, outside of marriage, relationships are probably going to be um, a little bit more open. Monogamish. I don't know if you know that term. Um, I do know the term. Okay. All right, so I think that people are, are going to, to sway in that direction as well. You know, just realizing that we've had um, unrealistic expectations from our partners and uh, wanting to make sure that we don't repeat the, the mistakes from the past and uh, adapt to how we're programmed. Yes, go on, I see, the, I see you thinking. <laughs> Well, I, I, I think to me, if that if that is true, that means that that population to me, for some reason, I can, 
I don't know. I don't know if this is true or not, but it feels like it's because those people have given up on becoming whole with themselves and loving themselves, right? Like where they want to feel complete and or they're complete on their own, but then they're choosing a partner that they enjoy life with. I don't know. I need to write this theory out before I go there. So I'm going to stop now because <laughs> I, I, I like to I like these wormholes because it's like, OK, if you take this action, then what would you know, which direction do, does things go? Like, I really feel like, like, I don't think we're too far off from dating robots. Like, I know there's going to be a population that does this. Well, yeah, there are sex doll brothels now. Yeah. Um, so people can go and get their fix from a plastic woman. And I'm I'm sure that a lot of men feel like that's, that's easier than having to have a conversation and make a connection with a real woman. So they're just going to be with these very lifelike dolls um robots sure why not that that seems well, that's like what i meant the dolls robots I, I i i didn't mean to disrespect the robots i apologize um <laughs> I sex mean... look you've come a long way since being all rubber let me tell you i mean just you've come a long way um i you know one of the things that i'm noticing and we've had this conversation too is as the more I get into matchmaking uh -huh. and the more I dive into this world, I'm really, it makes a lot of sense to me. I, this, this elite casual, um, you know, it's not casual, elite casual dating where it's just, you have a guy that's real super focused on his career. He's very, he's worth a hundred million dollars, but he wants to be a billionaire. He's focused on what he's doing. He doesn't have time to get on the web, dating website. He doesn't have time for it's just lunch. But he's going to a lot of red carpet events. He's flying all over the world. He's going to trips. He's speaking in different countries. And he wants someone with him that he is a compatible with. Like, it totally makes sense to me for a guy that has the money to pay fifty dollars to $150,000 a month. I mean, some of these people are extremely wealthy. But it makes sense to have that companion but also not having to worry about being pressured about getting married, being pressured about this, being pressured about that. It just complement my lifestyle and what I'm doing right now and have this arrangement. It's, it's, it, that makes way sense to me. And it also seems the most honest thing that guy could do. Because typically what I've noticed in, in just my friends over the years that have been uber successful they're either like womanizing in the, the sense of like they have 15 girlfriends, they have a wife and 15 girlfriends and they're living that life. Well, that doesn't seem very right to me. But having a casual relationship where you're honest with like, I'm just not emotionally available for somebody, but I want that companionship when I'm on the red carpet or I'm going on vacation or whatever. And it's not even about sex. It's about the companionship. That lifestyle is starting to make way more sense to me than it ever did before. Sure. I think it makes a lot of sense too. Um, and, and there, one could argue that that's going to, it's not going to be fulfilling. A relationship like that might leave you wanting for something. But every relationship leaves you wanting for something. There is no one person in this world who can fulfill all of your needs. And it's, it's wrong and irresponsible and selfish to put right. those demands on one person, say, I need you to I need you to take care of me sexually and also financially and also be really funny and also be the most handsome person on the planet and also make me feel like, uh, you know, I'm the most beautiful person on the planet and also be really smart. And also, you know, we're just nobody is capable of being all of those things to anyone. So yeah. why not just be 
realistic about it and say, yeah, okay, I'm going to have this, this relationship that's going to fulfill these. And then this relationship is going to fulfill those. And everybody's going to know what's going on. And it's fine because with all of this together, I'm a whole complete person and I'm getting everything that I need. How, and I, and see, and I'm starting to really believe that marriage is a sham. Like I, I know the, the, what the Bible says and I know all this stuff, but I, like, I've just got to tell you, like, the whole idea of thinking that you're going to be compatible with somebody for a lifetime just seems, and maybe it's because I'm not 100% healthy minded yet. I don't know, but it just seems so unlikely. Right. I don't well, especially now. So, so when was the Bible written? How old were people? What was a lifespan average of people when the Bible was written? I think they pretty much died at 40, right? Yeah. You're dead They're at 40. So a lifelong marriage is really not that long, but we live twice as long. So, <laughs> and we have all of these modern, you know, pressures and needs that were not relevant, not even thought of back then. You've got to change with the times. <laughs> You've got to change. You got to be flexible, and that doesn't mean you're you're gonna go to hell or that you know it's wrong. Be adaptable. You can still be a good, righteous person. What was that? I just saw something on the screen. Somebody had actually. Well, she has she has a question. She says, what happens? I can't believe I'm putting this on the screen. What happens when you have a husband that is so sex, I think driven by sex, that uh -huh. he makes himself have hard on while I'm working? I feel like it's betrayal. And I don't know how to respond to that. You never got to have your husband's heart. Oh, that one's painful too. Got married at 23. Well, I'm 39. I've been married three times. And she says, it's a lie. Um, early Bible is 900 years old, is what they're just saying. Right. We are in a fallen world. Yeah. So this is this conversation about marriage is going to stir the pot with people because there's the biblical view. I got to read. I got to find this in the Bible where it's talking about marriage, but and like truly, truly understand what it meant, like the Hebrew version of what they were talking about. Um, but it just seems so freaking unlikely now. And and like. But maybe it's because I'm jaded because I haven't been so good at it and I'm learning to love myself now and all of that stuff. But I mean, it just seems impractical. It doesn't seem to make sense, especially when you could just thrive with somebody. We Without, it, why is after marriage, all of a sudden this, these expectations shift and change? Why can't you just love each other and allow each other to be free? That seems to be a more way of living an abundant life to me. Is let each other be, elevate each other, but quit putting, we're married, so you're going to be on the cage and like, you know, put the cage on. It's not a good example of the cage, but um, anyway. In the, in the glass jar. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was going for the visual of, anyway. I, I get it. I get it. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, what what is, so let's think about our definition of marriage. I mean, what is that? Is that to respect and honor and cherish someone? Great. Do you need to own someone's penis or vagina in order to respect and honor and honor and cherish them? Do you need to sign a piece of paper? Do you need to have a big party? Do you need to walk down an aisle and have people throw stuff at you? Do you need gifts in order to be married if that's your definition of marriage? So let's figure out what, what about marriage is important and can we have that outside of all the decorum that we're used to, that we value so much for some ridiculous reason. I don't even know why we value that. Is it because we were, 
we grew up seeing that, so we think that's what it needs to be. Let's question that. Let's move move outside of that. Because what we're always told, what we've always been shown is not necessarily the right way. It's just the repetitive, it's just the old tradition. Yeah. So With old traditions, as as uh, my man Vision from mindvalley.com says, rules. There's just a lot of bullshit rules that have been put on all of us and it's meant, I swear to you, all of it is just meant to divide us and keep us from thinking from ourselves. It's all about control. The man, when you start to think for yourself and con connecting to source yourself and being able to God yourself and to be able to just go, wait a second, hell is in my head. Yes. Like I'm creating this hell for myself. And my man, as we were talking about dancing with the shadow earlier, my man, Jason Cisneros, AKA the bald Avenger is here. Shout out, to, plug your podcast, Jason. Um, Jason's one of the best people I know, and he's one of the, the biggest influences in my life. Um, amazing, in the trenches, kick-ass, like changing lives, like going in the trenches, easing suffering, and he doesn't have to do a thing. Like he's very successful, he transformed businesses, people. He's an amazing human being, and uh, anyway, but he's one of my favorite people in the world because he took all of the bad shit in his life and now is using it to ease suffering in the world. And if he had not gone through the things that he went through, there's no way in hell he would have the compassion for other people like he does now, like yourself, like me. So anyway, you're awesome. a misfit. You're a misfit, you didn't even know it. Just letting you know. So welcome right. to the misfits. <laughs> but, so, and, oh, but Jason is also one of those people that really taught me the power of truth. That's, that was the reason why I went off on that tangent. He really taught me the power of truth and just being honest. And he's very, very honest in his relationships, and and just like this is what the, this is what's up. And I respect that. And I've really learned to stand. And I love you too, Jason. I really learned how to stand in that power because of him. So That's everything awesome. what you're saying is true, and also that we kind of get to write our own rules. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. As long as we're not hurting. There's so many, um, so many of these rules. Oh, that we have, she's a misfit. Um, these standards that we um, have right now—they're just—they were implemented by some frigid, dead queen who was had her own sexual hangups. Why are we repeating what she wanted everyone to do? It's just she's a she's weird and she's dead, and it's time to move on. Like she she hated herself and she wanted everyone else to live in, in discomfort and misery. So let's dump that. And, and create a new standards and a new set of rules. And, and it doesn't that, you know, change should not be feared. Change should be embraced. And anyone who has sort of an ethical issue with change, I, mean, I just, I would just encourage them to dig deeper. What is it? What is your definition of this? What is important of this? What is it about this that you fear? Can you still be good? Can you, can you pluck the good from this traditional you know, right. and, and bring it over into the change. And I'm pretty sure that the answer is yes. It's just that that's unexplored. And so as long as we don't really dig and ask ourselves why, how, you know, why am I feeling this? Why am I thinking this? Can I go deeper with this? Uh, you, you have to be analytical and, and sort of philosophical and think about yourself and, and your values. Um, if you ask enough questions, I think you become com more comfortable with, you know, alternative solutions and yeah. evolution. Um, but and how to know if those those other things, those those ideas or other thoughts, the new thoughts that creep into your mind, how to know that that, that is real to me? What I I've noticed that I've been able to know what was right in my spirit 
way easier, way more effectively and way better now that I'm not drinking. Like, I mean, I've had a couple drinks, but like not tonight. It's been a while. But I mean, like I quit for the most part, quit drinking. <laughs> and what I in the main reason why is not because I feel like I'm an alcoholic, not because I feel like I'm an addict, because I feel like when I wake up the next day, I'm not able to connect to spirit as easy. Therefore, and I want to tap into my superpower, the superpower that I believe that we all have. Again, I'm not being an egomaniac. Quit sending me hate mail. Anyway, like I'm not being, a, we all have a gift. We all have a supernatural power inside of us and we all get to use it. And like, and what I've noticed is when I eliminate eating red meat, I'm not eating as much red meat. And when I eat more vegetables and I'm not drinking alcohol and I'm drinking better water, I connect the spirit so much easier. Therefore, I feel like I'm guided to make the right decisions. And when something's not right, even when everything on the surface looks good, the resume looks right, the face looks right, everything looks perfect. If it's not right in my spirit, I can feel it. I know it. And I go, you know what? I'm going the other way. Even though society is telling me this is right, I'm going to go this way. Right. Yeah. We, we do have, I think that we inherently have that, that compass, you know, that moral compass. And, and we don't need to, we don't need a book or a certain segment of people who are fearful and don't ask questions and don't challenge to tell us that this is right and this is wrong. And if you do anything else, you're done. You know, that's, we know we have the God within us. We have answers within us. And, and, and we don't have to give up drinking or red meat to, to have that. But I do believe that I, I agree with you that when you are more pure in, in, in your body, what you put into your body, um, and when you are making healthier decisions, it is easier to tap into that. Yeah, because the steak and red wine is freaking amazing. Or a steak and tequila is amazing. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm just saying, I notice, like, even when your body, think about, like, from a vibrational standpoint. And, yeah, I'm a Christian, and I believe in vibration. Whatever. Deal with it. Anyway, but I notice that when I, like, and it, like if I eat too much or I'm fatty foods and I feel sluggish, therefore I feel bad, therefore I'm not vibrating, therefore I'm not attracting the things that I want. There, I don't have the energy to put out there to attract what I want. Mm -hmm. So, like, you pay attention to those little cues. It's not that challenging. Like, right. it really kind of makes life a little bit more easy. And, and also, the other thing is you lose anxiety over what could be and you just trust that what be is going to be awesome. And being able to trust and surrender to that is exactly the ultimate trusting of God that he wants you to trust him with. Yes. Or a woman, that's fine, too. So stop uh, looking for all this external, external uh, confirmation and and information you know it's all within this so just clear it clear yourself and and uh do you've got it you've got it within absolutely i'm on board with that i know it's a touchy subject but my husband uses to be happy in their in their marriage because he's had horrible life his entire youth so he doesn't know how to live in peace <clears throat> well um, yeah how do, how do we think it sounds like he needs therapy. It sounds like he, he I mean, I don't, I don't have any problem with, with marijuana. I think that there are um, certain circumstances that it can, it can be very beneficial to people, but if he's constantly using it, if it's sort of an abuse, yeah. then, then yeah, he needs to, he needs to find some help. Calm down on the weed. Well, and also I think smoking during the day is when you have to go, wait a second, what's going on. But, you know, I see for sure 
the benefits of using it at night. Um, you know, especially CBD. I think CBD is very, very healing. Um, you know, if you're just using a, a sativa with no CBD in it, there's no other properties that, you know, you're just doing it to get as whacked out as you can. I, I think you need to rethink that. And also depending on the psychological condition that you have and medication that you take, um, it can make it worse. It can make it dangerous. However, like for myself, I'm a cannabis advocate with, again, with CBD. I, I believe in using a whole plant. Um, and also the CBD is very, very crucial for me. But it also allowed me to get off of all the other medications. And I promised to do a series of shows on mental health, but I'm still researching because there's a lot there. But when you start researching what these drugs are that people are taking for depression and people are taking for ADHD and for anxiety and I mean, and on and on and on, you start researching the, the, the real facts, the heavy shit about this stuff. Um, you start to ask some questions that are really important you know, help you start to see how the world operates and why you really should look for alternatives than taking some of those medications. So for me, using a whole plant CBD um, with a little bit of sativa is a lifesaver for me because I don't take sleeping pills, I don't take antidepressants, I don't take bipolar medication, I don't take ADHD medication, I don't do any of it. I use that right before I go to bed. Oh, and I take my HIV, but that's what keeps me alive for now until they find a cure. Um, and I'm going to you know, I'm going to be cured completely. Even though I'm not a non-detectable, I'm going to be cured completely. I know for a fact I am. But the point is, me saying this, is that cannabis can be a very powerful thing. It could be a good thing. If you're using it as an escape, to then because to, you're not happy in the marriage, what that really is is that he's not happy with himself and that he really needs to work on loving himself. And I can say this because that's how I've been most of my life. And I say it from a sincere place. Uh, Ashley, that it's really, really tough to not love yourself. And there's nothing that you can do. There's nothing that anyone can do to, to, to heal that inside him, but himself. Right. Snap out of it. You need to love yourself. You, he's, he needs to do some work and it's, yeah. he might not want to do the work, but um, the pain and the struggle of, of doing that work is going to eventually lead him to, to a much better place. I think it's going to be lesser than the pain and the struggle that, that he's currently going through if he's constantly escaping in marijuana or anything else. Um, one thing real quick. The one thing that is to be true, uh, that I've known to be true, that ever since I heard it for the first time almost two years ago, when I heard T.D. Jake say the blessing is in the breaking, it made things start to make sense to me in a profound way. So it's worth ripping the Band-Aid off. It's worth making the painful decisions because I promise you the blessing is on the other side of it. Go ahead. Yeah, um, reading, reading. If he's, if he's not open to seeing a therapist, a lot of people are resistant to that. Um, I wish they wouldn't be because I think that, I think that it is, um, so he believes that therapy is just to split families up. I mean, that's bizarre. Why would he believe that? And what does he know about therapy? <laughs> what reading has he done? And, and has he tried it? You know, maybe once he actually goes and experiences it for himself, for himself, he'll, he'll have a, a much better idea of what it's about. And also different therapists use different techniques. So finding a, a good therapist is like, is like dating. You know, you may not hit it off with the first one. You may not hit it off with the first three, but you're going to get better at it every time. And you're going to eventually find your click. They're not evil people. 
Now I know that Josh, you have some you have some thoughts about psychiatrists and and the uh, and psychiatry, but this is a this is a different. When I say therapy, I'm not talking about he needs to be medicated. You know, he needs to see a psychiatrist and get medication necessarily. I'm talking about counselors and people who yeah. will help you work your way through a difficult situation because not everyone is is able to think for themselves and they need help from someone who gets it to think and sort but, their yeah. Yeah, you're right. And 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 also like the going back to borderline, the, the borderline stuff. Well, I've reversed my triggers or trained my triggers by talking about it. Right. Like the truth will set you free. That's another example of it. It's like so talking to a counselor, talking to a trusted friend, talking to someone that you know that's been through similar crap as you, like sometimes that's that's what you all you really, really need because the more you suppress that stuff. The more poison it does to yourself, the more it poisons your brain, your soul, your spirit. And a lot of these mental health issues, I think, are spirit related. That's my opinion. But the fact is that there's something there. But being able to set it free and talk about it and find people that will understand you, which become your tribe. And so the misfits, by the way, I'll explain that off the air. But what that is, it's a group of people that have been through. There's former prostitutes. There's former people that have been physically verbally just beaten into inches of their life. There's people that have been drug dealers. There's people that have been gang members. There's people that have been, you name it. They're a part of this group, but every one of them collectively in that group are people that have taken their shit and made it like if they've enriched and blessed other people's lives all over the world. It's, it's, it's like a badge of honor that we wear being a misfit. Awesome. And so talking about it's powerful, but I would have never found them without talking about it. Right. And that's that's where community and love and all of that comes into play. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I'm glad that you're a, a man and a manly man saying this, because I think a lot of you know, masculine men would go, oh, no, I'm a dude. Dudes don't talk about stuff like that. Mm. You know, but here you are. You're a dude to me and you're talking about stuff like that. So I think that you're you're being a, a great role model for, for guys like that. I'm trying. No. Lord knows um, I, so what has been probably one of the most complex, golly, we have been on for a while. What is the most, one of the most complex, you know, scenarios that you've had to deal with in your career and how did you overcome it? God, that sounds like a job question. Ooh, well, which, which part of my career? Um, I would say, you know, as a coach. The one that you want to choose to talk about? <laughs> um, well, you know, let me see if I can find a commonality. I think if there's one a, a common thread through through my the evolution of my career, um, my biggest challenge has been has been tactfully communicating with uh, very difficult personality types. Um, <laughs> so um, one has to learn how to. Uh, keep their cool in in situations, um, in situations with with people who are trying. Um, what what is another uh, and, and learn communication skills, which can be valuable in all facets of of life. So so I'm thankful for that. Um, another challenge: uh, people don't understand. I would say people don't really understand me. 
So that that's been a challenge in in life is is being a misunderstood sort of misfit and you know, people would either get, if they know about, you know, what I'm doing, oh, she's the sex coach or, oh, she used to be a dancer. Then they'll get ideas like, oh, she's going to be fun. She's DTF. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll hang with her. Like, no, I am fun, but I'm not down for whatever, whenever with whoever. Like, I have standards and I have boundaries and I, and I value myself and, and I want to value other people. So there are rules and regulations here when you're with me. A lot of people don't understand that. They don't see me as a human, but a novelty item. Or, um, um, you know, it, it could go in the other direction. Ooh, she's gross. Uh, oh, she must be diseased. She must have an issue. She must be crazy. Um, and, and no, I think there is a, there is a, a lot of stigma that I've had to, to shake. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so you would not have been able to shake it had you not have been through all of the experiences. We didn't even dive into your experiences. This is like a whole other show. Another time, uh, another time. Yeah, another time, another time. Um, but I mean, like you've been tested. Your faith has been tested. Your strength has been tested. Uh, your perseverance has been tested. You've been tested in a lot of different ways that I now know about. Um, and you know what? Like that's probably why you and I just became friends pretty quick. I mean, that because I, I, I just have mad respect for you. So well, thank you. I appreciate it. I love what you're doing because I know that you're helping a lot of people um, be able to live in truth, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, especially in a place to me that's hypersensitive because there's a lot of people out there that have gone through different things, whether it was abuse um, that's affected their intimacy, it's affected their willingness to be honest, their, you know, and, and it's affected how they show up in relationships and you being able to relate to people on the level that you do and the way you, that you see people naturally, like it's your gift as you see, you can see it, you can feel it. And is that right? Or am I making that up? That I have a gift to, I, I am a, an empath. Yes. I'm very empathetic. Okay. So I do, I do feel uh, things that other people don't really tune into. But it's not, I, I'm not all feeling based. It's not all, you know, energy and vibes and LA stuff. I, I um, you know, I do a lot of reading as well. Um, I'm audible, audible has been my best friend recently. I've, I've studied in actual traditional courses so that I, I could understand, um, I could understand, you know, people and what they're struggling with. And I pay a lot of attention and I, I listen to a lot of people and really take notes. So I think all of those things combined help me to help others better. Yeah, well, it, it, right. And, and be, what makes it, just because you brought up something that I think is important. You didn't say this, but this is what you're saying. We're all given gifts, but if you don't build them up, it's like going to the gym, you're given muscles, right? You're born, you, get, you drink your milk, whatever. You get like, some natural muscle you're just born with. But you have the ability to work it out and build those muscles. Same right. thing with your brain. It's the same thing with your gifts. Hence why I was saying like not eating as much red meat, eliminating alcohol, things like that allow me to use my gifts more. But also feeding your mind with the right things really allows you to really know how to use your gifts. And it, and it allows you really to live that extraordinary life that you were all meant to live. Absolutely. Fair? Yes, very fair. Very fair. I like that. Cool. Valerie, we should do this again. Thank you. But in, Thank person, you in person next time. Okay, let's do that. So we don't have uh, technology issues.
Yes. Yeah. I would, I would love to. I, I really appreciate all your time. It was all over the place, but there was just a lot of things coming at me that seemed like they're appropriate to talk about. But um, I'm going to make sure that your website and everything is plugged. But for the radio audience right now, is there anything you would like to plug? Um, my website is ValerieBaber.com. So if you're interested in uh, coaching, um, I also write people's dating profiles. Um, I coach by email. Um, if you just want to learn a little bit, I, I do. Uh, <laughs> you're laughing at me. Um, I do it. Laughing at, never mind. No, I'm not <laughs> laughing at you. If you just want to learn a little bit more about my story, ValerieBaber.com. But I'm also on you know, Twitter and Instagram and all the social Valerie Baber. I keep it simple. It's the same across all the platforms. And that's B-A-B-E-R. Well, you're amazing. Thank you so much for all your time and uh, talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Good night. Bye. Bye. Valerie Baber, everyone. Well, that was an interesting show. So much fun. Uh, so thankful that she came on. We were on the show for an hour, 45 minutes. This is like old school. Like when we used to go for a really long time and sometimes do four shows in a day. <clears throat> anyway, PSTV, thank you so much. I uh, got to see the show graphics today, the new ones. Wow, I'm really excited about it. So thank you, Carl, for believing in the show. Uh, thank you to the podcast audience and, of course, Facebook. Thank you guys so much. God bless all of you. Thank you for hanging in there. Thank you for all your questions. You guys have a blessed night. Thank you for sharing the video. If you think somebody would benefit from this, tag them in the video or share it to them privately in Messenger. Um, again, we pre I appreciate you very, very much. Love you all. Good night.